BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Come join our Discord. The Mixing Music Discord server is filled with tons of awesome information and people. People that can help you out and information that can help you grow your business and to help you improve your mixes. So come join us and find the invitation link at mixingmusicpodcast.com. to the Mix of Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Harry Legloo. You know, he's not wrong, but it's not too hairy. It's just hairy enough. Yes. The classic alliteration. What is that? Is that what it is? Lovely Lou. Anyway, Mm. today we have an interesting episode. This is going to be one of those that... Um, I think it's like extremely relevant as far as like careers go. It's one of those classic motivational, slightly meta episodes that I think does have a direct correlation with ability that we want to talk about. This is something that's been on my mind recently, especially the more people that I talk to, the more students I help coach, you know, the, um, the more people I, I kind of like try to help push them into a professional career in audio. Mm-hmm. And as I see the younger generation kind of like um, take the reins and kind of go through everything, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. And this is a very simple thing, um, a simple idea. There's, uh, it's written, it's talked about in many, many different self-help and business books, but the concept is still the same. And I want to break it down into a lot more like pragmatic or logical frame of mind here. But this is an idea from, I mean, the secret or like think and grow rich, you know, um, the idea is about desire and knowing what you really want. We've touched on this briefly, but I want to do an episode about this. And I don't know if this is going to be a long episode, um, but I think that this is a self-inventory episode. Like As you listen, I want you to ideate and think about how this applies to you, how it doesn't apply to you, how crazy you think I am, or figure out if I'm actually onto something here. Um, The episode, quite frankly... I see a lot of people who say they want to make a living with audio, Mm -hmm. who say they want to do something with music, and then their actions are in a completely different place from from their words coming out of their mouth. Yeah. And I want to do a couple things. One, I want to clarify that it's totally okay to not do music for a living. It's totally okay to do audio for a hobby, to mix, produce, record as a hobby. In fact, it might be more enjoyable that way for a lot of people um, because doing it for a living and relying on income changes the game and the mindset completely. So I want to make sure that people understand that I'm not like an elitist of any kind or I don't, I don't think, I'm not trying to gatekeep, but I am trying to say that I do think that people need to listen to their gut more Mm-hmm. Um, and and kind of sort out the the mess inside everyone's heart and everybody's mind and figure out truly what it is that you want. Yeah. To be honest, this is kind of like a very like day 100 issue. 
I guess you could say day one never feels like this. This is why most people don't really deal with it right away because you're dealing with like inspiration that is there. But once you start getting into something and you start seeing what the issues are or like some of the challenges that come before you, it's very quickly fleeting inspiration, you know, because sometimes people are into it because they're passionate about it. And that's great. But they're more passionate about the enjoyment of it all and kind of the, I guess you could say, fascination of everything before it. But once you start getting into business, it actually changes. Like when you start having to deal with like, uh, I'm not even going to say deadlines because deadlines could actually make it even more fun, to be honest, like setting up a challenge for yourself. But um, once you start saying, you know what, uh, I actually don't like working with certain people, but the I need to make money right now. And I have a hard time finding new people. And now I got to start networking with new people. I've got to start doing this. I got to start doing that and everything that comes with it. If you're not fully about it, it feels more like a drag and a task to be able to hopefully get back to enjoying something versus being able to take a step back. So if like it goes back to like if you really don't want something, you'll know pretty soon. You'll know pretty soon. And so like we we really want to kind of talk about like the mindsets behind it and kind of honestly just dive into it because it's it's an issue for everybody. I don't foresee this episode going super long because it's no. a pretty basic principle, but I do want everybody to just like properly self-reflect about this. Yeah. Because the issue is when we when we do this podcast, this podcast is not just about teaching mixing. It's about um, helping people potentially, if they desire, to create a career out of it. So that's yeah. why a lot of these episodes are practical tips in order to maintain, build clientele, how to ask for money, how to earn money, how to increase your prices, things of that nature. It's yeah. not just how to use a compressor because you can go on any other YouTube channel mm -hmm. and talk about that. And the one thing that Lou and I have done for sure is cut through the bullshit and figure yeah. out how to make a proper living from this. Especially in a place where, I mean, you can argue that there's more work out here in LA, but it's definitely a lot more expensive to live out here. Yeah. And and I've started my career in fucking Utah, you know, <laughs> like that's yeah. that, that's not like a music hub at all. Um, and uh, it's it's just interesting to find all of the, you know, the things that are similar no matter where you go, and things that are like um, the habits that are similar across everybody that I see. Um, there, it takes the number one thing that I think will change the most is to properly declutter and find out what you want. Now, there's a couple tools that I think you should use. One practical tool that you should use is I know that it's not good to be jealous, but I think you should pay attention to your jealousies. Now, this is something that mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of. Pay attention to what makes you jealous. Like whether you're scrolling on Instagram, whether you're on, do, talk to someone cool. Like if it makes you jealous, I mean, don't act on those feelings. Don't start becoming bitter, but like your soul is trying to tell you something when you get jealous. If you, if I like, there's things that I see that I get jealous of and I rein it in and I'm like, okay, I should probably work on this and put this into my goals and my mindset, you know, whatever mm -hmm. I'm doing. But I will say that, um, for the most part, a lot of people want to, they say like, I want to be in the NBA, but they don't put in the hours of practice. Yeah. And the hours of practice, if they truly want to get into the NBA, and more importantly, if they really believe that they have an actual shot, they will put in the hours. Yeah. Which is a whole nother thing. Um, I mean, but the concept stands. Like, for instance, um, I'll use my proposal as, uh, as an example. I started going to the gym before I proposed uh, about a year because I really wanted to propose to Anna in a, in a better state of health and everything and really uh, show kind of a better self, right? I fucking hate the gym to this day. I really don't like going. I know that I go almost every day to this day, but I really don't like going. But it's because there's something I want at the end of it that makes it all worth it. I know why I'm going and I know what really drives the force of it all. Yeah. So it, in this case, we're talking about stuff that we claim to really want. You know, if you want a healthier self, then you go through kind of the painstaking work through it, you know. But it's one of those things that a lot of times, you know, people will talk about like, you know, I really want this to work out. And they move a bit blindly and some people move with a little more direction. But once they get to a certain point, that question kind of comes back. Like, is this really something that you want? There's um, there's a few concepts, a book that I recommend that everybody read, especially because mm -hmm. um, 
this is a quote from, I talk about this book quite often, Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, the quote is, winners and losers both have the same goals. So it's not goals that make a winner or make a loser, whatever that is in your definition. Yeah. It's, it's the daily habits. I literally saw on a channel yesterday mm-hmm. called The Morning Brew, which Ooh. is um, a, more, a newsletter, a business yeah. email newsletter. Yeah. And they said, people who make their beds are 206% more likely to be millionaires. Nice. Now, correlation does not equal causation. It's mm-hmm. different, mm-hmm. but it was really interesting to me that um, they said there's like, f- I need to look it up, but according to the article, across everyone who's a millionaire, there are four habits, again, not causation, mm-hmm. just just, just uh, something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, let me find it real quick. But there's like four things that every millionaire has in common, and that is- A million dollars. Um. Uh, waking up and making their bed, mm-hmm. waking up three hours before their workday officially starts, read 30 minutes a day, mm-hmm. and write to-do lists. So That's if you write pretty to, simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And here's the thing, is that those simple habits mm-hmm. done over decades mm-hmm. is going to change the game. Have you ever like, I, I mean, People that listen to podcasts statistically are more likely to be readers and to also be more intelligent. So, I mean, that's something something to say about the I listeners. Have, statistically I speaking, have just fallen far below the bar. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh, uh, so I, I know there's a lot of readers out there um, listening to this podcast, but once you kind of get into that reading kick mm-hmm. and you start reading, even if it's significantly less than 30 plus minutes a day, you kind of realize like, holy shit, like I'm learning so fucking much. And if you can compound that day to day, every yeah. single day, like the person who reads 10 minutes every single day versus the person who hasn't read in 10 years is just like, yeah, it's like you, you can imagine how much of a disparity there is. Yeah. Because even after like a week of reading, you're like, holy shit, I'd like learn so fucking much. You ever heard the notion this person probably forgot more than you know? <laughs> that I always hear that and I'm like that doesn't sound like a good thing. That that actually sounds like he's reverted. Anyway, that that was a bit of a tangent, but I thought it was really interesting. The the thing that I think is the most interesting is the people I love like David Ramsey comments or like mm-hmm. the comment on posts like that. Yeah. Where it's just a bunch of babies that became adults just complaining so, about how that can't be right. I don't know just, if like, you saw this. I saw this this morning. Um, David Ramsey, I don't want, I need to spend money in order to be happy. I saw this on threads today and it made me laugh because. <laughs> a bunch um, of bitches in the comments. That's exactly what I saw, which was. Uh, uh, those that say that 30 is the new 20 are just giving them an excuse to say why they took 10 more years to do what a 20 year old can do. <laughs> and everybody in the comments was like, well, you know, the economy, this and this and that. I'm like, you know, when I was 21, uh, I met my first business partner when I was 22. I owned my first full fledged recording studio. When I went to college, I was more educated than most of my classmates because I actually put the work in before I actually went to school. And, uh, some people did not like me for that. And I acknowledge it as like, look, I'm sorry that I worked a lot harder than you did. Yeah, I'm sorry that I was the young buck that everybody Accepted. pointed out was too young in the studio and didn't trust me. But then when you came up to the stage, I outdid you every time. There's a reason I have a chip off my shoulder. It's yeah. because I fucking outworked you. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that this goes back into we. Why did you outwork them? Is I think it's because the singularity in the idea of desire. Yeah. Right. I so that's it. another thing too. Like this is um the you know the burn the boats kind of. Oh, it's been a while since I've retold this story. So I don't even remember the character names anymore. But Burning the Boats, um, back in the days of colonization. (laughs) Don't worry, my grandfather is all part of it. Yeah, Spanish Inquisitor. Wait, Inquisitor. Wait. The, hold on <laughs> the, Spanish the conqueror the conqueror I was about to say the person that's you like know, the, I would like to know about the more Spanish conquistadors the conquistador not inquisitor <laughs> the guy asking questions you he's know, like, like so let me ask you why did you conquist <laughs> <laughs> the conquistador you know the conqueror there he's out going trying to find gold and he tells his men yo we, we have a plan we're gonna have a plan they don't talk about backups they, and he says burn the boats 
If we're going to go back home, we're going to go back on their boats. They basically, he gave them no plan B. There's no escape route. It's either we're going to fucking die or we're going to take their boats and go home with their boats. And that was the only time in like the hundreds of years that they've tried to take over the Aztec gold or whatever it is. I need to recap on this story, the details of the story. But anyway, the point is burn your boats, have no plan B. If your desire is so fucking solidly set, then things like going to practice, and I'm not going to quote Alan iverson here is yeah. we're talking about practice man okay anyway um we're, <laughs> we're um things like going to practice right if you're trying to be an nba player the things like you know putting in the hours making a to-do list and for mixing it's like finding clientele's going to shows if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. like taking out or not okay hold on that's a bad example but like making properly calculated but still risky moves mm-hmm. because in, in the in the game of business, it's not just risk. You're not gambling because gambling means you have no control of the outcome. But what you do is you do something risky and then you work your fucking ass off to make sure that everything turns out in your favor. You yeah. know, you can turn it from like relative gambling into like forced outcome just through sheer yeah. hard work. And that doesn't happen if you don't know what you want to do, which is a yeah. normal thing to feel. Yeah. It's very normal to not be exactly sure what you want to do, mm-hmm. but it is important to um, acknowledge what you don't want to do. Yeah. I, whether you work backwards and you figure out what you don't want to do, yep. or if you like, just pay attention, you meditate, figure it out, do therapy. I don't give a shit, but you have to, I think you can't figure out what you truly want to do in this like, in this like childlike naive desire. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're blinded by everything. You're everything else is blind. You're blind to it because it's like, you just see straight ahead. You can't get that unless you're really trying to find it. Yeah. I remember the first time, this is a story I haven't told in a while. I, this is, I remember the first time I found my first real, like, passion and this Mm. is when i like i've always been like this adhd kid who never did well in school you know like just like totally just never never uh figured it figured it out i never i never did homework till the end there was a lot of stimulation yeah i only passed because i did well in tests actually i I hate to admit that was exactly my case dude i figured out that i have a bomb ass god tier short-term memory i can memorize like 50 (laughs) pages of like chemistry and like physics uh, formulas and like on the walk to the testing center anyway we're not gonna we're (laughs) we're not gonna talk about that um but the first time that I ever figured it out is straight out of like my first serious depression, mm-hmm. junior year of high school. Um, towards the end of it, as I was coming out, a neighbor friend of mine was skateboarding, longboarding mm-hmm. down hills. He was like bombing hills on this longboard. I was like, yo, what the fuck is that? That's crazy. And he was like really excited about it. Mm-hmm. He was like really passionate about the sport and he got me into it. And that's what they say, um, uh, you know, the, um, the transference of Passion being around passionate people is uh, not nirvana. What's the word? I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the quote here. Anyway, um, that level of inspiration, he like mm-hmm. transferred it to me. So I was like feeling really inspired. And for the first time ever, I found my first passion. I mean, I was every day I would practice longboarding for like eight to 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Like even like during school, like I sleep became something scientific because I noticed if I slept less than six or five hours a day, mm-hmm. I could not practice the next day because my balance would feel off. Yeah. So it's like, and then my, my sugar intake, my caloric intake all mm-hmm. became formulaic because I, to optimize my practice of longboarding, the mm-hmm. neighbor, I would like, like not like be a cartographer here, but I would like map out the best neighborhoods with the best hills to bomb, which hills like had the best like pavement that yeah. worked well with the wheels. And like, I would like, you know, watch review videos and like take notes and like figure out for myself, which wheels and boards work best with this kind of sort of pavement on which streets. And it became like really scientific. And within a year I had sponsors and I was winning money. So before nice. the end of yeah. my senior year, I had been put in so much passion into this one singular idea that I f- maximized my enjoyment and I started making money from fucking bombing hills. Yeah. That's what it was. And I was like winning competition that, that sort of, and, and you can even tell 
that I was really passionate about because in every single conversation that I had, even with non-skateboarders, mm-hmm. it became a natural thing that came out. Yeah. It really came out in my conversation like, hey, Lou, how's your day today? You know, when I was bombing this hill today, you know, mm-hmm. or like when I was dying and I like somehow yeah. related back and I wouldn't do it on purpose. I wasn't trying to teach anybody anything, but it was yeah. just like, you could tell that I was just really yeah. That's all I thought about. There's times where like I dreamed about how to do a trick and like gravity. I figured out how gravity works and like how to remove friction and like, mm-hmm. anyway, how do I get the wheels to spin out in a specific way? And I would land the trick first try mm-hmm. the next day, just because I dreamed about how it would feel like the sensation. It's that level of passion. It was the first time that I ever figured out this, this is what it feels like when you really read like the hyper focus. Yeah. Um, it was like, it was so blissful. I was so naive. I just didn't realize like how much hurt I could get in. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't realize like how much, you know, I, I wasn't thinking about anything other than how to optimize my skateboarding. And it was probably one of the happiest I've ever been in my life. That, that, that blissful naivety added to the joy that I experienced day to day. I think about that from time to time, mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, how I found that passion, how I was able to utilize that passion, how I was able to build it, and what true passion feels like. Yeah. Lou, what was one of the things in your life? Is there something outside of music, before music, or um, with music in itself? Like, what was the first mm. time that you were able to tap into your like ability to hyper-focus? So it was actually skateboarding. Oh, it's the same thing? It was the yeah. same story? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, Similar kind story? of. I never did, like, downhill bombing or anything. I was more of a street kid. Um, but I had a small local sponsorship. Like, Skateboard Shop would just give me free shirts to, like, wear their stuff. And they would actually help me, like, give me 50% off on trucks and give us, stuff Give us like an that. image. How old were you about? Mm, 13. And oh, so was, this was, like, middle school. Yeah. Like, I was... I started when I was, like, in fifth grade. But I really got deep into it up until like 10th grade, Um, at which point I almost like broke my leg and I just stopped skating. Um, But um, I'm not going to lie, like 2003, 2004, 2005 timeline. We're talking about like skate skateboarding was like big. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 and 3 was out. Oh, ska music all the way. Ska music all the way. Yeah. So like it was kind of a thing that I got into with my friends, but it was one of those things where like. When you're skateboarding, you know you're going to eat shit. Like, you physically get hurt. You scrape yourself. Like I said, I almost broke my leg. That's what got me to stop. But um, it wasn't a question of career more than it was a question of, like, I actually really enjoy doing this with my friends, and I think that's why I stopped. I knew the difference between passion and goal. That's that's where my first real big passion came from and where I can actually say that I was okay with stopping it. Um, all the friends that I would do it with at the end were no longer skating anymore. And part of the passion was that, right? It was more of a way of me spending time with my friends, which is totally okay. And I actually got really good at it. It's the way, uh, like, I was doing, like, uh, what is it, like, indie variables and shit like that. Or reverse, uh, what is it when you do it... Um, when you're reversed, I forget what the term is. But yeah, and I was still, a downhill guy, so these don't. Yeah, yeah. So, like, doing, like, flip tricks and stuff was, like, fun with me and my friends. And, like, trying to find ways, like, oh, yeah, maybe we should do it off the bench. Oh, let's go to the park. Let's do this. Let's do that. And, you know, when you're, like, trying to ollie over, like, a 12-step staircase and you know you could really eat shit, but you're just having that much fun, you don't really care about the danger that's in front of you. And that's the difference between, like, really being passionate about something and just doing it just because it's kind of cool like if you're doing it just because it's kind of cool you don't really take the risk yeah you don't you have to really enjoy something or see the benefit in something and even if you want to call it a calculated risk saying that it's just because i wanted to be around my friends that i'm willing to risk it it's not even that because most people won't do that for their friends you'd have to be like in a dangerous situation where one of you is about to get hurt and you have to put yourself in the way for them to make it really say like, oh, I got into a dangerous situation for my friend. No, skateboarding is not that. But that's kind of the amazing thing. It's okay to know that once you have a goal and it's something that you see for yourself long-term or you really passionate about something, you can find 
a way to profit from it. You can find a way to get really fucking good at it in a short amount of time. But it's also okay to acknowledge that once it's no longer the same passion and it's not something that you really feel the need to reignite, you've kind of been okay with it and it's time to do something else. You need to know when to walk away. Yeah. There's, um, there's, have you seen like YouTube videos or TikToks or anything in, on Instagram, like con- content creators of any kind where they're like really into this niche thing? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for a while I was watching like mechanical keyboard enthusiasts. Yeah. Um, I've even seen people like that are like really into shaving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen like, you see people that are like the easy one is like cooking or eating. Yeah. Um, different forms of art, mm-hmm. specific weird things. The, the one thing that I think Me about all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Pokemon traders, you know, is when you can really tell, like as a viewer, mm-hmm. you can really tell. When someone genuinely loves this shit. Yeah. Even if it is something that I cannot relate to at all, it Mm -hmm. is enjoyable to watch something, do something that you can tell they're really passionate about. And even on this podcast, I'm sure there are moments where Lou and I are fucking into talking into these microphones. And you can tell it's like, oh shit, DK and Lou love this. And there's going to be episodes where like DK and Lou sound like they need a few extra hours of sleep (laughs) and a good punch (laughs) to the fucking nuts, you know? And... (laughs) it's true there's a people can tell and i i think that there's a few side effects i'm thinking out loud right now i'm Mm -hmm. not i haven't like formulated any of these thoughts previously but one is the happiest that i've ever been like on like a very philosophical point of light point of view right here Mm -hmm. like the happiest that i've ever been the most that i've ever felt like satisfaction with my own life is when I found something that I really like and I hyper focus into that hobby. Like mm-hmm. when I first started running and I was like fucking obsessed with it, I was like really in the moment, just yeah. really enjoying it. Um, and, uh, I have the, I have a hobby of collecting hobbies. So I have a new hobby mm-hmm. every few months and, um, it's every single time I find something that I get really into, there's like pockets of like blissful joy yeah. that I, I I've have. There's another thing too, in the long term with music, which has like been my longest passion, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm discovering more, many passions that stemmed from music. There's also like this level of naivety that's like you don't care about all the bad things that are going to happen. You just care yeah. to get better, care to do more with it. Um and that desire for improvement, which is the most healthy thing ever. I, I share this quote all the time because I think it is so good. And I have a couple of, of takeaways that I think people should be mm-hmm. thinking about after we read this quote. But I've read this a few times on the pod and it hasn't been for a while. But this is from the writer C.S. Lewis. There are always plenty of rivals to our work. We're always following it, falling in love or quarreling, looking for jobs or fearing to lose them, getting ill and recovering, following public affairs. Mm-hmm. Right now, there's a big obvious public affair yeah. that can be distracting. Yeah. You know, it's, um, if we let ourselves, we shall always be waiting for some distraction or other to end before we can really get down to our work. The only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. Favorable conditions never come. And that's the thing too. It's like, if... I'm going to be totally real with you here. Mm-hmm. If your parents, your aunt and uncles, your siblings, any family members telling you that it's stupid to pursue a career in music and that made you think twice about it, this fucking shit isn't for you. I definitely would not be here because I'm the only one in my family that did it and I got made fun of and ridiculed for a while. Yeah, like if you've even considered like, oh, like, oh, this might be a dumb idea. Like, if that's a thought that you've had, this may not be for you. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be rude here. I'm just trying to be realistic. Because the takeaway here, the another thing that I want to talk about is, one, I don't think, there's part of me that wonders if desire is just, if the more things you do, you throw spaghetti on the wall, something's going to stick. Like, the more things you do, the more that you're going to find out, okay, this is something that I really like. And I think it's natural. Mm-hmm. And there's another thing, too. It's like, I know a lot of people that were originally really passionate about music. Mm-hmm. really passionate about something and then they lost that passion and then they had to work on making it bring it back to its original state yeah which is re- especially when you start making money or you start building a career with something that you're passionate about you consistently have to work on yeah. keeping it enjoyable um now, a lot of people get blindsided at an, at the first burnout um 
I know I definitely did, and I know a lot of people that we've uh, trained and taught over the last couple of years have experienced it and were having a very similar sense where at first it's passion-based, it's education-based, it's experimental. The moment you start actually making money from it, you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm actually getting paid. But then they start getting asked to do some of the regular work, right? So often that it's like, I feel like I'm just playing catch up with the projects versus just trying something new, working with new people and just experiencing things anymore. Um, And the first stage Uh, the first time you burn out is that recovery stage where it's like, hey, either take a step back for a little bit and just remember why you're in it. And if this is something you really want to do, either pivot to just collaborating with people or really focus on the work if you want to make this long term. But um, that first burnout is usually a very challenging one because you haven't experienced it yet and it's kind of a fresh issue. Okay, there's a couple thoughts that I have. Uh... Okay, so the first concept is I don't think passions, when properly pursued, mm-hmm. I don't think passions should be forced. Yeah. Like it's not a logical decision that you make. It's something that your heart, your soul decides for you. Yeah. And you d- you'll find yourself walking in that road without even trying to. Like you didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy shit, I really enjoy this. In-, in fact, that may not be something that you verbalize or that you properly think. Like, I really enjoy this. You just kind of catch yourself being interested, being pulled by this thought. Yeah. So number one, I think people should be trying different things. And if it's music, it may not be producing. It may not be songwriting. It may not be mixing. Thing. It could be it accounting. May be, you might be able to find a fucking passion in the nerdiest shit, for example, vocal tuning. Or That's coding that for talk- plugins. There you go. What? Coding for plugins. Coding for plugins. Reviewing plugins. I'm yeah. not as big of a fan as reviewing plugins as just like using them. And, and there's more like time. Like honestly speaking, I don't think – so one way is that you should try more things. Mm-hmm. And again, this is part of the reason why we talked about how you shouldn't force a niche as well is because the, the more things that you try, you're going to find out that you like specific parts of the work more than others. Mm-hmm. Or you'd may, you may find out that you like fucking pickleball more than music. And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's okay. You know, um, but try a lot of different things and let that desire come to you naturally. The number – the second thing that I'm thinking about is also if you – started music because you're really passionate and i know a lot of people in this situation you started music because you're really passionate and then you're starting to fall out of love with it or you're not as passionate as you were originally Mm -hmm. now i think one of the things that people should think about is it's partially your fault not partially it is a hundred percent your fault you probably allowed clients to stomp on you and you didn't have clear boundaries you didn't you possibly overworked yourself. You possibly took yourself too seriously. Um, there's a lot of different possibilities, but I maybe not a hundred percent, but if, if there is a part of it that like naturally becomes less and less genuine every time you go, no, I'm just thinking about like real hobbies. Like, cause it becomes more and more fun the longer. Yeah. To be honest, I'll say it like this, when you're talking about a career and a hobby, it's two very different topics, which is why like skateboarding for me was more of a very passionate hobby when music became a career choice for me and i'm using the word choice very intently because unlike a hobby a hobby is really just something that passion drove you to it's almost like an a choice that was made for you right um but a career is not a choice that's made for you unless it's something that you've been around for so long somebody started paying you money and you had seemingly no other option Right, but realistically, that can really ruin a passion. Yes, it can. That can fucking destroy a passion. But on my end, like when I first started in music, like and really said, like I actually want to find a way to make a living from this. It started all as me playing in bands, like playing guitar and stuff. I played battle of the bands in my school and had fun with it. Right, but I started wanting to get more into like gear and building my own studio. And one of my first goals was to own a studio before I was twenty five. And like I said, I had it when I was twenty two. And the funny thing is, like, the only reason I think I could have made that possible so soon is because I actually got into knowing, like, what gear does what, what gear is valued for what reason, why is it that this piece of gear is so highly sought after, and what is it about its components that people are really interested in, why do people keep bringing up St. Ives or Carnhill or any other Transformers from, like, vintage Neve stuff, and why is it that there's such an argument between whether you should upgrade to Burr Brown op amps in your old Trident A20s, 
like, why, why does any of this information ever matter? And the funny thing is that that actually led to my buying and reselling business and everything, where I actually managed to pay my own bills while keeping the passion alive because I didn't have to force myself to make songs I didn't care about. I actually found a way to make money and stay into mixing and mastering without having to force mixing and mastering, mm -hmm. you know? So funny enough, sometimes your passion will drive you to find a method to stay in that doesn't actually correlate 100% directly in the path, but will support 100% of the path. Because of all the gear knowledge and all the buying and selling I had, how much gear did we have in the studio that was just already inherently there? It wasn't because I had a studio at the moment when we opened it. It's because I bought and sold so much that I knew what pieces to hold on to. Certain pieces just had value and were actually good. And other pieces were just fly-by-night pieces. Like, they were good, they were trendy, but once the trend was gone, nobody cared about it. But this knowledge, this, like, deep dive into, like, what worked, what didn't work, what sells well, what doesn't sell well, all came from my passion in music. And funny enough, that's what actually financed my ability to stay in this career. Once again, if you're passionate about mixing and you're having a hard time mixing at first and finding work for mixing, and that's what's burning you out, sometimes taking that step back and redefining how you make your money right now while you build your goal, while you set your systems in place, actually helps keep that passion alive because you're not burning yourself out taking every worst project. Like um, I recently accepted a project that I would normally would say no to, but I accidentally misquoted and I felt more wrong going back and saying, hey, I'm sorry, I actually can't take this. Let me refund you. I felt worse about doing that because I set my career up based on like helping people and supporting and I don't want to the take point, a step the back point. The point is, that. you yeah. misquoted. Yeah, I misquoted, and that's on me. But because I have a specific goal in mind, and I have a certain image I want to create or have created, whatever I don't, you know, I don't know what people see. Uh, I can only see myself for myself, right? <laughs> but um, point is, like, realistically speaking, um, I am intently moving towards this goal, so it. I know I make my money from so many other things at the same time that like I would much more happily say no to projects I don't want to be involved in. Hmm. I accidentally said yes to one not knowing. And uh, well, those are the type of decisions that done consecutively can really burn you out. You got to be yep, careful. Yep. And that's why uh, my burnout stages uh, don't come as often as they used to by a long time because of these boundary setups and everything. Yeah. And that's that's where that step back comes into play. Like if you're burning out, just take a step back, help you recalibrate because that passion could be gone so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's so many piece of it, pieces of advice that we can give. But the point is this, if you really want to do this, then figure out a way to hone your desire. Yeah. Really, really dial into it to become aware. Try to get into the present moment. Don't be worried about the future. And if you really, if you really find that nugget of gold, that that what it is that your your mind, your spirit, your heart really truly desires, once you find it and you put all of your effort into it, it should feel effortless. Yeah, it's really interesting. The idea of only getting four hours of sleep—not that you should do this—but the idea of eating only Little Caesars every single day—not that you should do that—becomes. Mm. It's not even a thought that you have. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm saying it is going to be different for everyone, but I do think coming down, being realistic here, there's a lot of people who say they want to make music for a career, but in their minds, they don't. There's some sort of cognitive dissonance. There's some form of anxiety. There's some form of like their heart and their mind are conflicting and it's okay. The yeah. first thing I want to say is that it's okay. Doing music for a hobby not worrying about it, turning it into a healthy ex form of expression is going to make you feel better and quite honestly might even turn into better music. Have you, I don't know if you've noticed, but like some people we know treat the what we would, what we would call their career as their hobby. Um, yet even in their hobby, they've managed to find such success because they approach it with just passion that it just kind of inevitably everybody else sees them as like one of the working professionals. But for them, this is actually the side thing they do. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people like that, like fashion designers who produce music, but they've got big placements. But it's more because they just worried about their relationships and maintaining their happiness and doing it. They said, if I had to do this every day and I had to sign a label contract, this is not what I would want to do. And that's totally okay. 
Yeah, and I, I, I do think just like those people that you're talking about, the number one important thing is to take care of yourself and figure yourself out. Yeah, do if, some meditation if that's what it takes. Uh, there, this is one thing that I think is super practical that everybody should be taking away, especially in our creative industry. Um, you know what's fucking the most selfish thing ever? Me? <laughs> yeah, you lose. I'm just kidding. <laughs> is when you know you need therapy mm-hmm. and you decide that you think that you don't need it, so you're just a dick to everyone around you. Yeah. Like, so now you're purposefully avoiding therapy, mm-hmm. and you're just you're just accepting that you're just going to be a fucking weight on everybody's shoulders yeah. instead of doing the work and going to therapy. Like, yeah. that is the most selfish thing ever. Like, oh, yeah. you're like, out of pride, you're like, hey, I'm not going to do therapy because I'm a man or whatever, Yeah. and I don't need it. I'm okay. I'm fine. And that pride leads you to be a burden on everybody else. So it's the most fucking selfish thing ever. If you need therapy, do the work and get it. I don't give a shit how hard it is. Like whatever it takes for you to to pick up that phone and start calling, making appointments, call your insurance provider. Most insurance, like depending on your insurance, it's it's free. Taking care of yourself. If like if you are religious, like getting in tune with your relig- like whatever it is, if you feel so inclined to, if you're not fucking meditating, uh, getting really present, whatever it takes to get your shit together, to clear your conscience, to slowly bit by bit, if all you can do to get back in control of your life is to make your bed in the morning, if that's the only thing that you can do, your, your kitchen is a fucking mess, you haven't done the dishes in months, but, but you're able to make your bed this morning. Like if that's what it takes, start somewhere and get your fucking shit in line and really figure out what it is that your heart wants to do and choose your sacrifice. That's a quote that I really love. Choose your sacrifice. You're going to have to sacrifice something, but the cool thing is that you get to choose it. And the even cooler thing is that if you choose the right one and if you really line up your desires and it's really in tune with your heart and your soul and your mind here. It doesn't feel like sacrifice. No. And that's one of the things that I want to be clear. There, there, It's building a career in music. There's been lots of ups and downs. But at the very beginning, especially like the first three to five years, I'm sure was the most blissful thing that Lou and I have ever done. Yeah, The concept of like, like not being able to, yeah, there was the stress of not being able to feed our families or, or yeah. well, hold on. Well, well I, was, I, I've been, yeah. I was married like really young and I didn't start music. I started music around the same time I got married, which is like 21. My stress uh, is more, I'm in a long-term relationship and uh, we now live together. So if I cannot pay the bills, then what am I of a man as an option for the future? Whatever. So whatever it is, of course, yeah. there's something on the line, potentially. Pride. Yeah. P- pride and, and just, but those things aren't scary if you're properly aligned. So one is either get aligned. If this is something that you know, you really want to do, figure out how to get aligned or two, accept that this isn't the thing that's going to get you aligned yeah. and find something else. And that is totally okay. Yeah. It's totally okay. And that is the one thing that I find in every single person that has figured out to do mixing or any sort of audio production, music production, um, at a high level is that I find that they were perfectly aligned and they never had any second choice. They, there was no plan B. There wasn't any fear that took control of them. Mm-hmm. And two, they've constantly been working, actively working on maintaining that level of passion. Mm-hmm. I can't name a single person who's doing this at a high level and making a uh, uh, sustainable income off of it mm-hmm. that hasn't gone through a major down, that hasn't yeah. like been burnt out. But the one thing is that they continue to work through the burnouts. Yeah. And they look back at the times that they almost quit in pride almost. It's yeah. like, I, I'm the fucking shit for not quitting. Yeah. You know? Well, can you imagine where their career would be if they just stopped? Yeah. No, or it, they would just go back into obscurity. Yeah. Go back into obscurity. Yep. It's not even, there's nothing, nothing wrong with stopping. It's healthy to stop, but like. You got like it's anyway, it's working on it. This is this has a lot of like parallels. The you know, a parallel thought that I'm having is like um, marriage. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is something I'm being dead serious here. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot. I'm more in love with my wife more than ever. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And um, this is something that like I say every once in a while, but like in the eight plus years we've been married, mm-hmm. um, I have never once fought with my wife. Like, not a single time we've had disagreements. Mm-hmm. But I've never fought with her, and and one I I, know I guess what you're definition thinking. of fought w- calling each other stupid, raising our voices, yelling. 
Okay. Raising voices. Name and calling and yelling, raising voices. I think would happen naturally depending on your history, your family dynamic history. Um, but calling each other stupid and stuff like that, definitely an Name extreme calling. red flag. Name That's, calling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh well, uh, and I think anybody that I mean, you can infer, and this is correct. Uh, yeah. It's not because of me. I mean, I'm fucking batshit crazy. I mean, <laughs> it's not me. I'm just insane. Yeah, my wife is the cool one. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. She's so fucking cool. She'll like think about what we're talking about, and then she'll be like, "Oh, this is not worth putting energy into this conversation." Like in a good way. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is. Oh, like this is actually doesn't affect our lives at all. Yeah. And then just moves on. She's she's so much cooler than I am. Anyway, the point is, the point is, you'd think that after a long time, like this, the classic story that you hear Mm -hmm. is like marriage gets boring. You know, that's like people are scared that like marriage gets dull. There's less sex, and it's like ah, it's boring. Yeah. But at this, like, I'm gonna tell you right now, the more that I work on it, the more that it become actively forefront of mind. I don't think I've ever loved my wife or found my wife as attractive as I do now. And the coolest thing is like, I don't think that's going to go down in the mm-hmm. future. And what I'm not doing is showboating how awesome my relationship is. But I do think there's something to be said is that both my wife and I are actively working on it mm-hmm. and we love each other and there's no fear like... There's no fear of, or jealousy, there's no, well, that jealousy in a different term than I mentioned earlier. There's Mm -hmm. no fear, there's no jealousy, there's just straight up trust, Mm -hmm. and it's like, we know this is going to work, we're working on it, we talk for a couple hours minimum a day, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, an hour or two a day, just like talking about our feelings, or what's going on, and things of that nature, we listen, we we like actually enjoy talking to each other. There's like... I don't know. Um, maybe I am starting to like grant virtue signal a little bit here, I, and I'm trying to avoid that. Well, let me. But the point is, the point is, like, yeah. work on it, and I think it can get better. It doesn't have to get dull. Well, I don't know if you've ever uh, like Steve Jobs was a big topic for everybody. Like in my age group, I don't know if like your generation was a much of a big Steve Jobs fan. I know we're only a few years apart, but in high school terms, that's a senior and a freshman are two different mindsets. But um, there was an interview done back when he had a full head of hair and uh, they asked him like, what's something you learned at Apple? And it was his claim is he learned to communicate with people differently when it came to, this is an issue. Um, he would actually intend to fire less and more communicate with people about longevity. It's he wasn't looking at people for the immediacy or one year length of time. It was 10 year length of time. If we look at that same notion, um, he said it wasn't something that he learned necessary off of like something that happened, but rather off of the data that he had from Apple itself. Basically saying that if you were to look at an issue and say, hey, um, what can I do to make this issue non-existent? Like, I, I understand that you don't really see the picture right now, but I can see the work that we can do together over the course of the next 10 years. I'm not looking at this as next week's paycheck or next week's project. I'm looking at this for the next 10 years. I want long-term. So when we look at our passions, when we look at our hobbies, when we look at our relationships, we can't look at them as an immediacy thing. We can't. It, It doesn't make sense. If you're looking at it as an immediacy thing, it's not meant to be. It's really not meant to be. If you don't have a long-term plan with something, then move on. Yeah. That's another thing, too. It's like if people with that think they, if a non-properly uncontrolled desire can turn into like fast burnout because it's like, why am I not getting good fast enough? They get frustrated. They're not patient. But I think if it's properly aligned and you understand, like every single small little half a step forward you take is super exciting and something that you want to brag about. Yeah. Because the funny thing is that your passion aligns with the longevity that you have intended for it, whether it be your marriage, whether it be your career choice, whether it be a hobby that you intend to keep for the rest of your life. For instance, uh, one of the sweetest things I heard in the last year was uh, the owner of Burbank Sports Cards. He spoke to me about his mechanical airplanes 
with such passion that he actually has a little warehouse at the Bob Hope Airport where he stores all of his little mechanical planes and he flies them and he teaches his grandkids to fly them. He taught his kids how to fly them. And it's something that he's actually kept alive. At no point did he ever want to make a career out of it. It's just a passion that he had for so long that he started building them in, in preparation for like a son's birth and like would actually make that like the plane that was uh, a monumental moment in his life and he would fly the plane every so often you know what i mean but it's one of those things where it's like cool it's okay if this is like you know that it's not a career thing that's okay it, you could it could still be a long-term thing but if you want to see growth if you want to see actual like um real change notable change a noteworthy change if it's for an exterior reason right like if if, it, if you're doing this because you want your parents to notice you whatever but go I'm to just saying, go to yeah, go to therapy one, two, but you know what would really impress them to really see you passionate about something and grow in something, but not anybody's telling you you have to be done with it next week. If you know it's going to take 10 years and you're okay with that, then, you know, every little bit of progress, like DK said, is something that we get excited about. I would get excited about knowing the difference between a 57 and a 58. Yeah. Which most people don't really know. It's really just kind of a low end and a top end thing. It's It's not much. You can throw both of them on a sax and be fine. I'm thinking about like video games. Like if in a video game that you really like, Pokemon. When you when you get to a hard <laughs> part, it gets more exciting. It does. The Cynthia fight. But if you and really Ruby. like and not like me, you're not really into the video game, but you're doing it because somebody mm -hmm. told you. It's like you get to the hard part, you're done. Yeah. You know. So I think that's a good metaphor. Yeah. Like you gotta fig. You gotta one find the right game, or two figure out a way to get some enjoyment out of it. Like Monster Hunter is definitely one of those games. Like, unless you're really intently playing for end game stuff and all that, Monster Hunter is such a grind game that it's it's cool in my eyes, but a lot of people would see this and play with me and be like, dude, this is fucking lame. It's like, yeah, well, I like it so much. I'm willing to do this. Uh, I think my last Monster Hunter save file had like 3,000 hours on it. Yeah. Dude, this is uh, this is interesting. This is from a book called Indistractable, which I know you like listen to the audiobook. Yeah. Still um, not done with it yet. I think I have like another couple, I think like 20, 30 pages. So this book is called Indistractable by Nir Eyal. Eyal I, I'm going to mispronounce <laughs> that. Um, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. But anyway, this is one of the things that the bus, this book talks about is, um, I'm in the middle of this book right now. I'm not done with it yet. But um, it talks about how human nature, why we've progressed into never feeling fully satisfied, why we're so easily distracted. Even it goes into, it talks about this interesting experiment about how 67% of men were, when they were put into a room with a button that shocks themselves, like yeah. painful shocks, Most people, 67% of them will shock themselves out of boredom because they'd rather yeah. feel pain than to sit there to, and be bored. Yeah, and they interviewed these people before the actual like test and they were like, I would pay to not be shocked yeah yeah I now they're pay. shocking themselves for free yeah for free yeah it's super <laughs> interesting anyway um one of the things that i talked about is to make things that are boring fun this is one yeah. stupid ass thing that i remember my grandma saying mm -hmm. um she's like well chores are more fun if you make it like a game if you yep. gamify it and i'm like all right that's some fucking like granny type shit to say but this book talks about how that is a real thing and yep. how to properly do it i'm going to read a couple quotes from here that i highlighted sorry i need to see the the light um fun is not a feeling so much as an exhaust produced when an operator can treat something with dignity fun is the aftermath of deliberately manipulating a familiar situation in a new way operating under constraints bogo says is the key to creativity and fun so one of the ways that i keep mixing fun is new plugins new mm -hmm. techniques like i'm always trying to improve like there's this self-awareness that i have where i'm like okay i want to get better at this mi the mid-range and the vocals right mm -hmm. that's something that i talked about recently on an exclusive episode of the podcast mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive um you know, there's always yeah. this new technique or this new part of the mix that I want to focus on. And it's like, there's this new constraint or this mm -hmm. new focus. And it keeps mixing so fun because I'm improving. The, the times that I've gotten the most bored with mixing is when I felt like I was the shit. Well, yeah. no, 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 hold on, hold on. I, I know that I am the shit, but I mean, like, when I'm, like, really satisfied with my work and I don't seek to improve it in any single, any way. Like, mm -hmm. there's no new angle of looking at it. Yeah. And I'm just, I feel like I'm just going through the motions and just rushing through these projects. Because one, mixing is the most boring. But when I get to take the time to experiment and focus on different elements of the mix is when it becomes fun again. Yeah. And, and I have to do that on purpose, whether it's through constraints or whether it's through just, find like, doing manipulating a familiar situation in a new way. It becomes fun. And the more fun, the more I gamify it to myself, 
myself. Mm-hmm. I, I inst- like I literally can sit here and talk about how fond dialing a compressor is and like fucking mean it. But to somebody else that is a producer that hates mixing, they're like, this guy, this is why we pay him because I fucking can't talk about mixing like that. Yeah. Like I just don't give a shit. And that's okay. Okay. Anyway, um, I'm more rambling on. I said this was going to be a short episode. We've done a terrible do- job making episodes short recently. When we uh, first started the podcast, yeah. it was like 20-minute episodes, 15, 20-minute yeah, episodes. Size. Yeah, what, what the fuck happened to that? Anyway, um, Lou, any closing thoughts? Um, honestly, just be honest with yourself. That's, that's kind of my biggest thought. Uh, I think a lot of people kind of put too much weight on growth in a very specific nature. And I think that's really the reason why a lot of people kind of fail to their own, I guess, desire or goals. A lot of times we're like, oh, we want the Lamborghini. Okay, but the Lamborghini has nothing to fucking do with music. That has nothing to do. I want the big house. That has nothing to do with music. Your passion, your career have nothing to do with the objects you own. It's, it's good to like be it, clear look, with what you want. Yeah, like, it's cool to know what you want, but your want has nothing to do with the work uh, itself and your enjoyment of the work. If you wanted a Ferrari, you could also buy a Ferrari as an actual electrician. Did you know that? Did you know that you can get a job that pays about $200,000 a year without college education as an electrician? So what the fuck are you doing in music? Um, Until like 2009. Anyway. Uh, well, no, if you if you were to work with like power plants, they, they pay pretty high because of a uh, hazard pay. But, but um, the, point, but, the point is, I do think that there's like, there's something to be said about if you do desire like a mansion or something, you can no, still yeah. realign the things that you don't want to do becomes doable when you really know what exactly. you want to do. But if you got to really want to do the thing that you're doing, it can't be the object that Even if it is something you. that I think is stupid, like wanting a mansion or like wanting a hyper yeah. nice car. Like if that's something that you really truly truly want to the point where like sleeping four hours a day is like worth getting this car. But I don't me, think that's for everybody. So let me ask you this. Is the correlation the car to your success or is the correlation of your enjoyment, your goals, the I way you grow? I think it's willing grow, to sacrifice. It's like exactly. sacrifice becomes easy. But you can sacrifice in any career is my point. Mm-hmm. You can sacrifice in a career that you can grow in faster, significantly faster. Um, music is one of those things that if you burn out, the passion is gone and then you can actually tell in the work. Yeah, it's it's very passion driven, the outcome that you give people. Yeah, there's definitely a balance there, like enjoying the process versus wanting a specific outcome. Exactly. There's now, definitely a balance there. Like you need yeah. a little bit of both. Now, if you're a mixing engineer and you love mixing, right? You can still want a car. You can still want a house. You can want all the things and you will realign everything in your work to do that. But the moment you start hating your work, the less you're going to want to actually do it. Or or you realize, yeah, that's actually another thing too. It's like if you really truly desire um a home, right, yeah. in California, you want to buy yeah. a house in California and you want to do it like you're doing it through audio or music, you're going to quickly be able to like, oh, you know what? I'm not enjoying music as much because it's getting me to my desire slower. Yeah. And if I were to be an electrician, for example. Right? Yeah. So, so it's like, but if for me, if my really end goal, my end goal is I want to do what I want, make a living off of what I want to do. Exactly. And for me, I most personally enjoy the work of mixing, like the yeah. work itself. And uh, yes, I want a, a house or yeah. like I want to And that's to do nothing this. wrong. But now it's, you're better but aligning have, your goals. I want to get there work. through, through a specific path. And exactly. I'm really, yeah. So it's like, there's something about it. So there's a difference and you need the yin and yang of that situation. Yeah. You need to know why you're doing what you're doing and it's okay to have goals at the end. If you your reason is because you want a Ferrari. That's that's totally okay. Um, I cannot relate, but um, I'll be honest. I'm much more of a Lotus fan, and it's much more economical. Uh, <laughs> well, you can buy a Lotus have for you, eighty have you grand. Heard, um, uh, who was it? There was um, the Two Bears One Cave. No, I've heard of Two Girls One Cup. Oh my! Shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> uh, anyway, he was talking about. I forgot his name. Not Brett. But the other one, I'm blanking right now. Uh, not Bert, sorry, Bert, not Bert Kreischer, but the other one. Oh my, Tom Segura. Okay, anyway, Segura was talking about how like he like I hate people that like get the money. Like, mm-hmm. They work their hard their whole career and they get the money and like they don't want to buy nice things. It's like I hate those people. <laughs> He's like, what was the point of getting all that money? You're not gonna spend it on a nice car, you know? Yeah. You want to. It's like, why, what, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah. those people piss me off. 
I'm not going to lie. I, I, I can sympathize with that notion. Like for me, my motivator is not a car. It's actually having a really nice studio, a very nice aesthetic space that I can feel like, holy shit, look what I've built. And it continues to grow. A car doesn't grow uh, it, and it loses value instantly. And next year's model is going to be nicer anyway. So for me, for me, like this is where like the Buddhist part comes in mm -hmm. for me. Like all I, I don't, the home will come. Yeah. But for me, it's not. I don't care for nice things. I just want a happy family. And I do not I do you, not believe yeah. that there is a correlation between nice things and a happy family. There is not. But for me, I like to if I had to spend my money, I would love a really nice studio. I would love to have like all the gear that has inspired me over the years. I would like it to be my museum of growth. That's more of what I want. Museum of growth. I like that. Yeah. That's kind of what this podcast is. Like the even when we, when we first originally started, when I first originally started, mm -hmm. um, the idea of the podcast was also to kind of be like a journal of progress. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about like that first episode in 2019, it's only been four years and how yeah. much the career, my career is like blossomed and changed. Like I, four years ago, DK, like, that's insane. Four years is also a long time, but it's also yeah. not long at all. It's just fun to think, look back. And um, I want to say, like, if you listen back to those first episodes, um, man, the amount of stress that I was in and just able to deal with, the amount yeah. of, like, difficulties we were having, and then, like, the fucking moving out here was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Yeah. Not due to uncontrollable circumstances. Not that LA is hard, but things that were out of my control, things that were happening. Um, that... Dude, it was, it's kind of crazy to see how much progress we had. This, yeah. I don't know, something about what you said, the Museum of Progress. I kind of feel like that's what this podcast is. And it's fun. I'm sure that there's people listening to the pod that have been a part of my entire journey. And although I don't only talk about, I don't deeply talk about personal things that are going on all the time, but like there was levels of severe depression yeah. when we were like still going. And I wonder if people could tell and point that out and we're able to still get through it. Anyway, um, let's end this episode before we get on even more tangents uh, and talk about things. ADHD is a tangent in itself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, uh, um, this episode is brought to you by the Mixed Music Podcast. As you know, we have exclusive episodes. If you want more specific technical tips on how to improve your mixing, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive for two exclusive episodes every single week. Me, James, and sometimes Brayden will break down technical tips given by various engineers and we break down how it works the takeaways the homework you get homework every single week technical tips on how to improve your producing mixing mastering specifically mostly mixing um and i think it's super phenomenal it's four dollars a month or forty dollars a year it's literally the price of a cup of fucking coffee for i think is great technical information uh less than a cup of coffee yep. you know um and depends where you shop yeah so, <laughs> so uh I really, really love it. I think it's a really great resource. Once again, missingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive for those episodes, access to those episodes. And on that note, um, also a free way to support us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave a five-star review, leave a comment, whatever. Um, those things really do help us out. And on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. Stay saucy.